HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to HRN on Tour at Charleston Wine and Food 2022. I'm Christine Sykes-Lowe, and today we are broadcasting live from the heart of Culinary Village. This episode is made possible thanks to the support of Hickory Nut Gap, builders of community agriculture since 1916. Our guest is Vivian Howard, an award-winning cookbook author, TV personality, chef, and restaurateur. Her first cookbook, Deep Run Roots, Stories and Recipes from My Corner of the South, is a New York Times bestseller and was named Cookbook of the Year by the International Association of Culinary Professionals. She created and stars in public television shows, Somewhere South and A Chef's Life, for which she has won a Peabody, Emmy, and James Beard Awards. Vivian runs four restaurants, Chef and the Farmer in Kinston, North Carolina, Benny's Big Time in Wilmington, North Carolina, and Handy and Ha in Lenore in Charleston, South Carolina. In October 2020, Vivian released her second cookbook, This Will Make It Taste Good, A New Plan to Simple Cooking. Welcome, Vivian. <laughs> Thank you. I love that your uh, your uh, your beverage arrived. They just right brought in time. me a beverage yeah. just right at the perfect time. It's the perfect timing. It's so good to see you again. Thank you. Um, we are literally catching you right before your event at this festival. Yes. So um, it's going to be storytelling through food, and it's being held at your restaurant, Lenore, and it's going to have some of your closest friends and colleagues. Um, who inspire you? So tell you tell us a little bit about that and about what the day entails. Sure. So um, I, you know, people always ask me like how I got into cooking, and the the truth is is that I got into cooking because I wanted to be a writer, and I find that in this industry there are so many people that um, aren't necessarily uh, just chefs or or just restaurant people, but they consider themselves storytellers. And the other question I get asked a lot by young people is like, I want to be a chef. I love cooking. I love food. And I'm always trying to tell them like, that's great. But there's so many other opportunities in the food space that you could explore um, as well. And so I thought it would be fun to have um, a group of my colleagues and because and friends because I only have friends through work. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, That are storytellers as well um, and all kind of. Uh, work through food, but through different mediums. So we have uh, Baxter Miller today, who she's a photographer, um, and also a, a story. She does 
brand identity for restaurants and um, I looked at her website. It's uh, fantastical. It's fantastic. I mean, it's it's um, the, the the photography is stunning, and she did the, the she did this will make it taste good. Okay, and every photo you've seen of me in the last like three years she's oh. taken, <laughs> and um, but she didn't start as a food photographer. Right. So I think what's so interesting to me, and what I hope we get to talk about today on the panel, is like all of you set out to to do this creative thing and mm-hmm. somehow you ended up doing that in the food world like what brought you to that so we have um, Baxter um, we have Chidi Kumar who uh, her story is a little different because you know she's a storyteller primarily on the plate right now um, she's incredibly talented chef in Raleigh. She's also a rock star. She's a rock star, yes. And She's so literally a rock star. She came to cooking and storytelling through food through a different creative medium, and I think that's really interesting. And, and you know, I could have chosen any of my chef friends because we're all kind of storytellers on a plate, but I think Chidi, more than anyone else I know, has taken all of her life experiences, whether that be um, traveling on the road with her band or growing up um, in New York and India and, like, kind of just combining all of that into a concise story on the plate. So we have Chidi. I also really want Chidi to write a book, so I'm really pushing yes. her into this. Where <laughs> into music this melts with food. That yes. would be amazing. Hey, Chidi, are you listening? I think that's she, a good idea. I'm about to talk to her. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and uh, Osai Indolin, mm-hmm. uh, who's a journalist, and she she really talks about food and identity and um, and culture and how they all connect. And um, also Andrea Weigel, who is a journalist as well, but more in the, like, reporter way. And like, she was a producer on your show. She was a producer show. on A Chef's Life right. and Somewhere South. Um, she actually started off at newspapers, and she was a court reporter, and then started doing... Um, food journalism, and she was the food editor at the News and Observer in North Carolina for a long time. And so she she has written cookbooks, and she is she's a diff, completely different type of storyteller than all the others. And she also does PR for restaurants, and that's a unique type of storytelling because you're trying to, you know, find out what's interesting and different about that particular restaurateur, that particular yes. story, and like what what media outlets would be interested in. And so there's, you know, so much of what we do in this profession is about story. And I don't think we point that out enough. So that's why we're doing it today. I think that's wonderful. And then you have some bites and sips to go along with it. Is it, uh, how are these coordinated? Absolutely. So I asked all of my panelists to give me, you know, a snapshot or a memory of like, when they first kind of decided they wanted to delve into the world of food storytelling. And um, and then at Lenore, we, we created a bite or a few bites um, that referenced that. So like Osai, actually, I did not know this about her, but she started writing about craft beer in Atlanta. And, and so that's really kind of what started her on this journey. So we're going to have some flights of beer, some craft beer from Charleston that's and wonderful. Eastern North Carolina. And um, Baxter grew up um, going to Buxton, North Carolina, on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and had a very strong connection to the food culture there and remembers um, eating fried bluefish and then trying to go and buy uh, bluefish to to fry 
and at the um, fish market, they were like, nobody buys that stuff. <laughs> And so that piqued her interest as to, uh, you Wait, know... Wait, so nobody buys that stuff? Is that because it's just not, not considered a good cut it of was fish? At, it was for people who were buying fish. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a trash fish. Okay. But for p- fishermen and people right. who lived on the Outer Banks, it mm-hmm. was kind of a delicacy. And so that that was what she found interesting and intriguing. Yeah. And, like, there's more to this story. Right. Um, and Andrea, uh, she has done a lot of, you know, historic documentation of recipes. She wrote a book on pickles. And she, at the News and Observer, she did a lot with baked goods. And she did like a cookie, um, kind of like a cookie contest. And and so she has provided an old family recipe of this porcupine cake. And I was like, Andrea, that's really kind of hard when you look at this picture. Like, there's a million almonds on it. And she's like, well, you asked for inspiration. So literally, okay, so porcupine cake, you mean it's it, it sort of has the look, the aesthetic of it? It looks like it? the outside of it looks like a porcupine because of the way these slivered almonds are all kind of situated that is a lot of work. on it. Yes. So oh. um, she has a story about, I think that's one of the first things she researched and write, wrote about was this family recipe. Um and then me, I, my bite is um, a, a collard kraut uh, kind of summer roll where we use a, a kraut leaf as the wrapper. Oh, shoot. <laughs> you caught it. That's I caught it. Hold on. See, I have two sips of it, and I'm a different person. No, hey, it's, <laughs> it's Sunday, and the weather is beautiful, and we're uh, hanging out. Um, but so I'm, I have a collard kraut wrap. Okay. And for me, um, you know, I, I've, I got into cooking because I wanted to be a storyteller, but then I got kind of wrapped up in the cooking yeah. and um, went on to work in restaurants and then open a restaurant in North Carolina. But that like kind of desire to tell stories around food or to find the, the reason I'm making something all, was always there. And so um, one day I was invited by some neighbors to watch them make collard kraut or I actually wasn't invited they gave me some collard kraut and then I invited myself I had to wait a year to go and and participate in it because they only did it once a year and I and all the folklore and um storytelling and process and tradition around that was just so uh inspiring to me that it was the first thing I'd written in years so and that inspired a chef's life. Oh, it did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was the catalyst for that. Um, it, it reminds me of during the pandemic, we all had time on our hands. It seems like a lot of people got into the fermenting yes. thing during the pandemic. You know, yes. when you have time, you have time to ferment. So and making sourdough bread. Yes, <laughs> yeah. sourdough starters. Um, you know, krauts, kimchi, that kind of thing. Um, do you um, do you miss the chef's life? Do you have like do you want to get back into the... I don't know, you know, I have, You're pretty busy. Well, I, 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 I stopped a chef's life because I, I just every personal and professional triumph or tragedy had been kind of um, documented for so long that I yeah. wanted to just, like, not have that be the case. But it was such a great experience for me, and I enjoy, I enjoy storytelling. I enjoy... Um, I'm curious. I love part of what we did and I'd like to do something like that again maybe. Not right now. <laughs> well, the audience really connected to you. I mean, it's they saw a glimpse. Like you said it is a as it is a peek into your life. So, um there's the pros and the cons of that. Um but you do have a way of connecting with with the viewers and you know, telling story, just like storytelling. 
Um, so a mutual friend of ours, Bill Smith. Yes, I love Bill. I just spoke with him. Um, I know he was on several episodes with you. Yes. Um, the finer art of uh, corned ham. Yes. <laughs> persimmon pudding. Yeah, some of that good stuff. So I said, Bill, um, if you could ask Vivian one question, what would it be? If you were sitting here right now. And quote, I'm going to quote Oh, him. my God. <laughs> Are you so prepared? I'm excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as you think. Um, ask Vivian to talk about how she managed to reopen a burned-down restaurant, look after newborn twins, have a TV show, and begin writing a big cookbook all at the same time. I was as busy as I could ever be for the last 15 years of my career, but I don't know if I could have pulled off what she did. It amazed me. Well, I, you know, I, I, I look back on that time and I don't know how I did it either because yeah. um, I barely got out of my hotel room this morning to get here at 11. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you, um, I remember that period of time when I had newborn, I had nine month old twins and the restaurant burned down and we were in the middle of making this sizzle reel for this show that like clearly was not going to happen now because I didn't even have a restaurant anymore. And I, but I seen, you know, you kind of just take whatever you have at the moment and you, you, it, it's what you know then. And my mom, I remember my mom saying to me, uh, you know, everybody has this really busy time in their life and yours is just busier than most. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think you, if you know that something's only going to last a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. yeah. you can do it. I think that's how we continue to have children in general. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I find myself in the position where I'm in, in that in-between period of aging parents and, you know, the kids. So it's that sandwich. Um, you know, my kids are in college at this point, so I'm a little bit, I got a little bit of more freedom there but it's still a lot it's I mean, still a lot I mean right now I think I have a lot and when I think about all the things that I did back then I, I really don't but I think we always are kind of just right at the level that we can handle right <laughs> and you prioritize I mean you you start making hard decisions and I will say that, that when I um was writing Deep Run Roots that was the only um mistake there I, I didn't do I didn't write Deep Run Roots while I was doing many other things. It's really the only thing that I committed myself to for a period of time. Um, I mean, my children, yes, but I probably showed up for Deep Run Roots first. Uh, well, a book, a book um, takes a lot of your being yes. to put out on so many levels. Yes, and for me, it was like, it felt like that book was something that um, was both my cookbook, but also a historical document of some kind. Mm -hmm. And I... I don't know. I felt possessed almost. <laughs> I actually uh, went to school in Greenville. Oh, ECU? Yeah, <laughs> I sure did. Um, I love the eastern part of the state. I just feel it has so much, obviously, as you know, to offer. And so I um, need to get back more. It's a little bit of a haul for it's me. It's a little bit of a haul. Yeah. Yeah. In Asheville, it's clear across the state. People don't realize how wide or long our state is. Right. Like if you try to go to the Outer Banks from one area to the next. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to speak, talk about? What's going on? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I'm excited I, for the panel. I know you said that uh, this experience at Charleston has been really good for you. Yes. I, you know, in the past, I think I participated in this festival for maybe eight years. And in the past, I have, it's been just really uh, stressful, you know, like packing up taking a team, 
you know, prepping for weeks and then unpacking and, and just never knowing what you're going to walk into. But I, I'm, I guess because I'm old now, they let me do what I wanted, which is just talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing. I'm tired of hearing me complain. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been great having you and great seeing you again. And I wish you the best of luck going forward and with your event today. It sounds amazing. Um, Thank you for listening to HRN's live coverage of Charleston Wine and Food Festival. I'm Christine Sykes-Lowe. Special thanks to Hickory Nut Gap for making our coverage possible. We're grateful to all of our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network on tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.